Hey, good morning. I was just talking to my teammate. <laughs> good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to church, everybody. How you feeling? Amen, amen. Listen, God is on the move at Church on the Rock. I think you see it and sense it. You can feel it. One of the ways that God is moving in our church is that uh, on Easter Sunday, God is going to move us into two services. So we're leaving the 10 a.m. We're going to 9 and 11, and we're going to maintain those times coming out of Easter. So uh, here's the question that I want you to be asking is, God, how can I participate in your move at Church on the Rock? And perhaps it's you joining a team and helping us reach more people and helping us find more people become fully devoted followers of Christ. If that is what you feel like God is asking you to do, then I want to encourage you to do one of two things. You can either go into the lobby right after service today, and you can talk to some of our team. We have a couple desks there, and you can say, what, what do I do? What steps do I take? And they're going to tell you. And then the other option is for some of you digital folks, maybe you're tuning in online and you're not here this weekend, but you're like, man, I still want to get involved. I still want to make a difference. Then you can just go right to our website. You can click where it says get involved. It'll tell you what steps to take. But here's what I want to say. In order for us to do what, we're at, what God is asking us to do with excellence, we need you, everybody. We need you, all right? So get before the Lord and seek him for what he would call you to do. Does that sound good? All right, all three of you. I'll take it. I'll take it. Three is more than we have now, so let's go, everybody. All right. Hey, it's a good, good Sunday morning. Welcome to those of you that are tuning in online. I want to give a little bit of like, I want to give an extra shout out to those of you that are in the room, okay? You came on a dreary, wet, cold Sunday morning. Yeah, give your neighbor a round of applause. If you're watching from the north somewhere, it's like down into the 50s. This morning, and rainy and Floridians overcame all kinds of adversity to get to church this morning. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, if we've never met before, my name's Josh. I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here. And I'm excited about today. Um, even though, do I, did I just go dark? Are these lights low? Can, you, can these lights go higher? Is it just me? I'll keep preaching either way. Hey, welcome to church. Welcome to church. Um, I appreciate that. I can see a little bit better myself. But... Um, uh, God, God is really doing a great thing in our church right now, and today we are going to start a brand new sermon series that we are calling Crosswords, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to be looking at the seven things that Jesus said from the cross, and this is going to carry us all the way to Easter Sunday morning, and our final installment will be the final thing that Jesus said on the cross, and when he said this, into your hands I commit my spirit, and on Easter, quite frankly, everybody, we're hoping that there are a lot of people that would make that declaration, they would make that statement, that on that day they would say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Come on, somebody, that's what we want to happen on Easter. And so I'm very, very excited about this series. I'm, I'm actually super intrigued to hear about our grow groups and how this series impacts them. Now, a grow group, if you don't know, is groups that are, it's like sermon-based curriculum. So we have several groups in our church, um, 10 in all, seven that you have an opportunity to connect to unless you're a student, um, that are talking about, the, they're, they're just going deeper into the message each week, and they're unpacking it, and they're asking questions, and they're trying to determine, man, how did God's word from this weekend, how does it speak to me, how does it apply to my everyday life, how do I live this out, like on a Tuesday, not just hear it on a Sunday, come on somebody, and so I cannot wait to hear uh, how this series impacts those groups, but we're going to talk about the first thing Jesus said from the cross today, which is a tough one. The first thing that Jesus said hanging there on the cross were these words. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And we're going to dig down into that just a little bit today. And I want to set up the, the day if I, if I can, okay? 
Um, we believe, and when I say we, I, I mean like the leadership of our church, we believe that God is trying to do a healing work inside of our church in the way of forgiveness. And here's why we believe that. All right, we didn't sit around at a meeting and be like, yeah, you know, she needs this. You know, let's preach it. Or man, he needs to get this in his spirit and we should just, we should just find some scripture and talk about it. What we recognized was that in the development of our series, last one and this one, just a few weeks apart were two unique individual messages about forgiveness. And when we saw that as a team, as we were creating prayerfully what we believe God is trying to speak into our house, we just became aware that God must be trying to do a work. He must be trying to do something in people's hearts and lives in the way of forgiveness. And so today we're going to talk about that subject, which is heavy and it's difficult, but I just want you to just posture your heart to be receptive to the Lord, okay? Don't, don't hear me, hear him. Let the word of God speak to you this morning. Let it impact you today. And some of us might be sitting in this room or dealing with an issue where it's like, man, forgiveness sounds like an overwhelming task to ask me to face but I'm going to speak very vulnerably today because I'm living this with you, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But we're just going to get into the Word. We're going to see what God has to say to us in the way of forgiveness. Does that sound good, everybody? Yes. Now, a few weeks ago, we were in a series that we were calling Heart Check, and this is how we started our year, and a lot of you guys were a part of that series with us. And uh, we were just saying, man, that to start our year, let's look inside. Let's look at our heart, right, and just make, how is the condition of our hearts. And so a few weeks ago, Pastor Juan, if you were uh, if you were part of that message, can I just hear something from like a woo or something? Like Yeah, man. So Pastor Juan, this is the first time that he'd ever spoken on a Sunday morning, like like from the platform in our church. He's spoken at prayer and he speaks into our staff all the time. And then of course one-on-ones constantly. And so I knew, man, I'm like, this guy's gifted and called by God to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when we built the series, I'm probably uh, too much information here, but whatever. When we built the series, I said, hey, Pastor Juan, like if you could pick any of the topics in the series, which one would you choose? And he said, I want to speak on forgiveness. And I'm like, whoa, like 10-4, it's yours. So I gave it to him. And, uh, and I just let the spirit lead him. And he spoke uh, just a few weeks ago about hearts that forgive. That was the title of the message. And so if you're somebody, by the way, dealing with this issue, or after today you have more work to do, I am just going to highly recommend that you go back and watch that message, even if it's again. Because sometimes you're just going to hear something or something's going to drop inside of your spirit that maybe you missed the first time, or maybe it's just good to revisit it, but it was powerful. I appreciate it, Pastor Juan. But we're actually going to start today where he left. So we're going to take this message, and we're going to build it right from his message. Does that sound fair? So here's what he said. He said, hearts that forgive, or a heart that forgives is a heart that does three things. We're going to look at those three things. Number one, he showed us scripturally that they are hearts that keeps no record of wrongs. That's a hard thing to do, to not say like, I remember. But a heart that forgives keeps no record of wrong. Number two, hearts that forgive is a heart that keeps in mind that it too has been forgiven. It's really, really important. It's hard to be bitter and unforgiving when you recognize what you've been forgiven. Amen, everybody. And then number three, he said, a heart that forgives is a heart that keeps striving to love like Jesus. These are just powerful three statements that I'm, that I'm rerunning for you via Pastor Juan. There they are. Take a picture if you need them or whatever. But I want us to start there today. I want us to start with that in mind. That, that let's, don't, let's don't let that be just an isolated message, man. Let's, let's let that thing inform what God wants to say to us today. And so we're going to do everything we can to keep no record of wrong, remember that we've been forgiven, 
and strive to love like Jesus. And I just think if we start there, if that's the posture we begin with today, then I believe that we can walk into some healing and some wholeness. Does that sound good? So let's get right to it. I, I want to I get into uh, the, this story. So here's, here's Jesus, um, who is obviously the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Isn't that right? And we know as followers of Jesus, if that's you, and that may not be all of us, but those of us that follow Jesus know that he is, in fact, who he claimed to be. He is the son of the living God. He came as a man, all man and all God at the same time, which is bigger than, that's supernatural. It's bigger than we can understand. The Bible says that he was tempted in all ways like us. He dealt with things like us. We know that he was obedient all the way to a cross. He went into a tomb. He then conquered death, hell, and the grave. The stone was rolled away Easter Sunday. Jesus walks out. That's the big celebration that's just weeks away from us that you're going to invite your friends to. We're going to pack this place out twice. Say amen right there because people need to hear that message. It isn't just a Sunday message. It is the hope of the whole world. And we're going to preach it and declare it. And so here's, here's Jesus. And what I find most interesting is that in his worst moment of his natural life, Jesus is still being a good shepherd. It, it, it baffles my mind to think that even hanging on the cross, Jesus is declaring things that will echo into eternity. They were not just random things that he was saying. They were, they were shepherding things. He was speaking, still proclaiming who he is, who he is to be. He was declaring how this can impact you. And so over the course of this series, we're going to pick them apart line by line and ask, what does this mean for me? Let's begin in Luke chapter 23. We're going to bounce all over the Gospels in this series to get all seven statements. We're going to start in Luke chapter 23. I'm just going to read a couple of verses the Bible says that two others, so, so again, if you know the story, there, were, there was Jesus on a cross and there were two criminals hung on either side of him. The Bible says that two others, that's them, both criminals were led out to be executed with him. And when they, when they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And then verse 34 here, it's like the key and the focus of today, it's the first thing Jesus would say from the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. This is interesting and important because if you know anything about Bible scholars or Bible study or getting deep into studying scripture, there is something that scholars use. It's called the law of first mentions. So they will actually go back and say, well, what, where, where's the first place that something in Scripture is mentioned? And probably from there, we can find the fruit of all other mentions of that thing. And so in the, in the context of studying the cross, let's think for a moment about the first thing Jesus said. Because as important as last words are, and they are, right? Last words matter. Think about the great commission of Jesus. Like he's about to check out. We're going to fast forward in time. He's about to check out and ascend up to the Father and like be done. So it's like ministry's over, race from the dead everything's good. I'm going to go sit down with my dad. I'm going to pray for you. Don't worry about it. And hey, I need you to just tell everybody about me everywhere. And I need you to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 10-4, got it, gone. It was like that. Okay. It's a Josh Hersey paraphrase version. So last words matter because the entire movement of the church as we know it today is still moving on his last words. From the cross, there are first words. First words matter too. 
And it's interesting to me that Jesus says, Father, forgive them. First thing that he says, hanging on this cross, Father, forgive them. I think to best understand the power of this statement, we have to somewhat be reminded of the reality of his current circumstance. Because I want you to just think for a moment, and thank God for you know, films like The Passion of the Christ that probably put in some of our minds a context, a visual, a deeper understanding of of what terrible crucifixion actually was. Because the Romans had mastered the way of torture to the human body. They had it down to an unbelievable, painful science. And they took Jesus through it all. And just for a moment, right, if I can just recap, because I want us to contextualize, I would, I would like us to do our best to feel the gravity of the statement that he made, not just read it, not just hear it, but to feel it. Jesus, I've just imagine if you would, after being arrested and all that kind of stuff, and he goes before the people, and they're, they're punching him in the face, and they're ripping out his, his beard. And come on, like, guys, if you've ever had, you ever have, like, your chain pulls your chest hair or something, and you're just like one of them, and you're just like, oh, man, like, you feel like you're going to fall on the floor, and then your wife's like, you seriously, I had, I had three babies. Get up, you little, right, whatever. <laughs> Toughness, you know, it's relative. And they're pulling out his beard, and they're, and they're doing these things. The Bible would tell us that, like, like, there's so little literature about Jesus' actual death. But the Bible, you would use words like flogged. They flogged him, which kind of sounds a certain way. But when you actually think about the reality of what went on, like, the, the Romans would whip these people with what was called the cat of nine tails. So it was a multiple-stranded whip that at the ends of these strands would have pieces of broken glass and animal bone and rocks so that when they, would, when they would hit their victim, it would actually latch on to their body. So not just like being bull whipped, which would be awful enough, I think we all could agree, but it would latch on to the body and when they would retract it back, it would actually pull with it flesh and meat and it would tear the body wide open, oftentimes exposing bone and rib cage and spine and things like that. The Bible says that they nailed Jesus to the cross through his hands and his feet, which are a couple of the places in our bodies that have the most nerve endings and most sensitivity to, uh, to, to pain are, are in these extremities of, of our bodies and laid them on a cross that I doubt, I just highly doubt, I don't know, I'm speculating here, I doubt they sanded it. It's probably just a rough tree that they just put them on. And, and the Bible says that, uh, that, that they just nailed him to the cross and stood him up on this. History would show us that most people would actually die on the cross from asphyxiation. Say that word. You did it. Good job. I'll move on. And he would just, the body would hang to a point that it would constrict the airways and prevent breathing. Oftentimes, because of the beating and the abuse that was taken, the, the lungs would start to fill themselves with blood. And most people would drown on the cross. Think about it. But in order to get, grab a breath, they would have to press up on their nail-pierced feet. If you can just try to imagine for a moment what that would feel like. One time I got a toothpick stuck in my foot. A toothpick. And I wanted 911 called in a, in, a, in a life flight situation. We got it out. I was fine. Small in comparison to a nail driven between our Savior's feet. And the Bible says that he would press up to 
grab his breath. If you can imagine the open and torn flesh pressing against that non-finished piece of wood to go along with the pain in his feet and probably the pain in his hands. I'm sure that as he hung, his hands hurt, and when he stood, his feet hurt. And you just think for a moment about the reality of that cross or that, that crown that they made to mock him stuffed into his head and those long thorns. Man, this wasn't like your roses. It's like these huge, long, just all the things that they did to our Savior, okay? Just think for a moment. Let's, let's put it into context, the physical agony that he must have been in. In fact, I learned this uh, this week in study that I did not know, that the word excruciating comes from Roman crucifixion. It literally means from the cross. To be in excruciating pain. And then I would ask you this question, have you ever been lied to, betrayed, abused, abandoned, made fun of, isolated, shamed? Jesus was all of these things. And uniquely and unfortunately, he was all of these things in the same day. Along with the physical torture of a crucifixion to hang on a cross where before he is even dead, they are gambling for his clothes at his feet. He has one criminal on one side completely making fun of him and saying, if you are who you say you are, then save yourself and save me. And unfortunately, there are still people today saying that very thing to Christ Jesus. If you are who you say you are, then save me. Get me out of this predicament that I'm in. Get me out of this pain. Get me out of this situation. Get me out of this because if you really are a loving God and if you really are who you say you are, then you would fix my problems. That's one criminal. While on the other side, the other one's saying, how dare you? Talk, talk this irreverently to an innocent man who is everything that he claimed to be. So with that sort of summary, Jesus pushes up, and the very first thing that he would say, Father, forgive them. It makes the statement to me all the more profound to understand that that's what he would say first. I believe that the reason it was the first statement that he made is it was almost his way of saying, this is why I came. It is for this, that you be forgiven because of your ignorance and you don't know because of your questioning and because of your abandonment and because of your lies and your deceit and because of all these things, I am here first to forgive you. It is powerful and it is an amazing thing. And when we talk about forgiveness and we talk about it in our own story, in our own lives, I think that it is easy to like just preach about it. I could just stand on the platform with an open Bible and a forum like this and just say, hey, the Bible says forgive people, so do it. And then we close in prayer. And that would be truthful, but I think that would be poor leadership. Because here's the thing. When it comes to the things that have wounded us, however that may be, the reality is they're very, very real very, very painful. If they were not, we would just forgive and close in prayer. It would really be that simple, but it isn't, is it? 
When you really think about the scenario or the repeated scenarios or the person or that moment or your family or whatever it is that may associate unforgiveness and bitterness to you, it isn't just that simple to say, yes, preacher, amen, let's move on. So, so, so I'm, I don't want you to hear, I say this a lot, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying today. And so I'm going to throw a couple, just three thoughts on the board real fast that forgiveness is not some things. Number one, it is not just forgetting. Like, forget about it, move on. Forget about it. It is not that. It is not just getting over it. Hey, just get over it, you'll be fine. Time heals all wounds, which is not true. It's not that. It's certainly not acting like it never happened. Like, because I've forgiven, I just let you off the hook, and I open myself up to be vulnerable to you to hurt me again. That's not what this is. And so as we go into this subject, right, and we're going to get right to the meat of the sandwich here in just a second. But as we go into this, I want to make sure that you understand that I am coming at us, because I'm preaching to me, and you're going to find that out here in a second. I'm coming at us with, with as much sensitivity as possible. So in no way, shape, or form do I want to diminish the reality of your pain. Because that, that would be... That would just be, I don't know, irreverent. That would be rude, and I, I, that's just not the heart of our house. I don't think it's the heart of God. But I am going to present something that at first glance I don't think you'll love, but I'm going to ask you to just hear me out. Can we do that? Just hear me out. And then I'm also going to start by saying this is just my opinion. So if you disagree, you, that's fine. You can just disagree and say, Josh, I just think you're wrong, and I'll be like, 10-4, cool, man. And I can still be your buddy and all that stuff, okay? But I'm going to make a statement that's going to be tough to hear at first glance, and it's this, that I think forgiveness is easier than bitterness. I think it's easier, and I want to unpack that a little bit, because at first glance, especially if your wounds are fresh, you probably are like, shut your mouth, Josh. That's probably what you're thinking right now. You don't like it. I bet that didn't feel good, okay? But I actually think that forgiveness is easier than bitterness, hanging on to it. However, I would agree that forgiveness is far more complicated. Can I use a parallel example that I think is far removed, but I think it will help us understand? If I want to lose some weight, the solution is easy. I should eat better. I should exercise. And I will probably lose, let's just say 10 pounds is the goal. Great. I could probably pull that off with a better diet and exercise that's easy. But easy doesn't mean simple because sometimes easy is complicated because now, now if I'm going to take the 10-pound goal, the easy solution is exercise and good diet. But the complication is, well, where does exercise fit into my schedule because it's pretty busy already? And then I'm not really sure what the best foods are and do I hire a dietitian or do I just look onto YouTube? Or man, how many of y'all know that, expensive, that, that healthy food is more expensive than the junk food we eat? I mean, my gosh, it's like, so, so, so it's, it's simple to just say, hey, just eat better and exercise, but it's super complicated for me to actually materialize that reality into my life. Because it's like if I'm already tight on money and now you say eat healthier, it's like, gosh, I don't know that I can afford to. So I want to lose the 10 pounds. And I know the solution's easy, but there's a complication associated to its ease. Is that making sense? Now, I think that forgiveness is that same way because it would be easier for you to just let go. Because it's harder for us to hang on to what makes us bitter, especially as time passes. It's harder. 
Because I have to remember and I have to replay it and I have to recount it and I have to keep the order of events and I have to remember, what, like, what did she say? What, yeah, she said it. No, but she said it like she said it like that, right, or whatever. And I have to kind of, like, recalibrate the offense on the inside of me all the time. And it takes way more effort for me to do, it, to do that than it does for me to forgive. However, to forgive is super complicated. Especially if, and there's no way, by the way, that I could hit every possible scenario of unforgiveness in this room. There, I couldn't hit it in the first section, right? So let me just, I'm going to spitball some stuff around there. But especially if the person that you're struggling to forgive, like is in your family, and you know every time we get together at events, they're there. And you, and you have to go into that atmosphere recognizing that somehow I have to manage this relationship in a way that keeps things at peace. Otherwise, the cops are getting called, right, to Christmas or whatever, okay? It, it could be that the person that you need to forgive has been long dead. Well, how do you do that? Because I can't go and even tell them. I can't even get stuff off my chest to them. They'll never understand or whatever. And the, the, the myriad of walking in forgiveness is super, super complex. It's very, very complicated. So for us to actually exercise forgiveness in our everyday lives is a very, very difficult thing to do. So it's one thing to say, hey, I forgive you. But at the same time, you might have to draw some boundaries in the sand that nobody sees but you. Well, that could be complicated. Because now I've got to figure out what those boundaries are. And how do I make sure that I keep everything okay? You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? So let's get into it, okay? Now that we have talked about the reality of forgiveness and we've looked at Christ Jesus in, in like the worst moment of his life, offering forgiveness first and the, and the difficulty of it for him, and then we've talked about the reality of the complicated reality of what forgiveness is is but at the same time we've talked about the things that forgiveness is not let's just let's just lean in to what i think just three thoughts that i these are not exclusive thoughts these are just things that i feel like the spirit of god put in me to deposit into us and so here are three things that forgiveness is number one forgiveness is an act of christ-like love in order to walk in forgiveness I actually have to walk like Jesus, which is certainly easier said than done. Because if, if you've been around here any length of time, you've probably heard me say, like, you're, like, you're not Jesus. Because uh, I'll get people to be like, well, I called him a hypocrite. And I'm like, why, why would you say that? Well, Jesus said it in the Bible. Like, bro, <laughs> he was Jesus. Remember that? Like, you're not Jesus. And so in the same way that I, like I can't just throw hammers of judgment because I am not perfect like Jesus. Jesus can say whatever he wanted because he's, he's, he was perfect. We are as far from perfect as, as you can get. Say amen right there. A amen. Because we all have issues, don't we, everybody? We all have issues. And I like to say this, too, that if you don't think you have issues, that is, in fact, your, that's your issue. That's it. All right. So, so forgiveness is, an, it's an act, it's an intentionality. It is walking out a step like Christ Jesus to follow in the path of our good shepherd because he modeled it for us and he showed it to us. And I'm just gonna read a couple of verses, Proverbs 10, 12. The Bible says this, that hatred stirs up strife and that's that holding on and that bitterness and that recounting and I gotta, I gotta keep all that stuff corralled up and I gotta, how many of you guys have ever, you don't have to raise your hand or whatever, but you have like, you have rehearsed the speech 
Like, you know, you know you're going there. And it's like, they say, one, they say that thing? And I'm like, you're just like, your response is armed and loaded. Come on, right? And why? Why do you do that? Because you're running it back. You're running it back. And what you're doing is you're holding onto it. You're keeping the pain as close to you as you can. And so you're ready to go, fist her up. And I'm not even saying, by the way, they probably deserve it. Like, so, so hear me. I'm not even trying to diminish it like it's your issue. But if I hold tight to that stuff, it becomes a cancer inside of my soul. And the Bible says that hatred, it stirs that strife. It keeps it fresh. But love covers all offenses. I didn't say that the Bible did. All offenses. Which for many of us would be miraculous. It would actually be a supernatural thing of God to do inside of us if we could get to the place to say, I will live out in a Christ-like love and forgive. It actually would be a measure of supernatural movement of God in you. And listen, that's what he does. That is what he does. That's why we can't do this without him. Amen. Uh, John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, the Bible says this is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment. It's a commandment, Jesus says. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. How many of y'all wish that wasn't in the Bible? <laughs> my hand's up. I just say it. Like, it'd be a lot easier if either Jesus had never said it or the disciples had never recorded it. It'd be nice. Appreciate that. But they didn't. God found value enough in it to inspire the author to document the words of Jesus to say that we should love each other in the same way that Christ has loved us. Verse 13, and here we go. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. And I know what you just did. You're going, they ain't my friend. No, no, no. I, I, all right. I got you. We're real people. What I want us to focus on is what's emphasized and what I highlighted is the act of laying down one's life. Because when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, that is exactly what he was doing. And if we are going to love the way that he loved, we have to walk the way that he walked. We have to do the things that he did. Amen. Number two, so forgiveness is, number one, it's an act of Christ-like love. Number two, it's, it's an act of obedience. And that stinks. But there it is. It's, it's an act of obedience before the Lord. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45 say this, that you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that makes sense. Verse 44, but I say, again, this would be, if you have a red letter edition Bible, these words are in red, man. These are the words of Jesus. But I say, love your enemies. What? Pray for those who persecute you. In, the, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Who? Mark 11, verse 25. But when you are praying, look what he says. First, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive you your sins too. To walk in forgiveness truly is an act of obedience before the Lord that will require us to lay down our lives for someone else in order that we do it. So I have hinted a couple of times that, I, that I'm going to be vulnerable today, and I am. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm sitting over there about where Pastor Juan is-ish, 
And he's right here where I am, and he's just delivering God's word. And I was loving it, by the way. I love that guy, y'all. I'm like, my, the staff that's around me, I just, they're the best people. I love doing life with them. And I was just, I was just eating it up. I was just like, oh, man, it's so good. It's so good. But Pastor Juan said something in his message that was a revelation and conviction to me. Here's what he, here's what he said. It might not strike you like it struck me, but it struck into my heart. And here's what he said. He said, Jesus did not wait until Sunday to forgive. And he referenced Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he said he forgave on Friday. Now, whether he used those exact words or not, I don't know. But I know exactly what the Holy Spirit said to me. Because in real time, I'm dealing with an issue where I feel offended, betrayed, a little bit abandoned. In real time, and I'm going to be honest with you, my strategy was I'll wait till Sunday. Eventually, I'll get over this. It is what it is. The more time the past, I'll forget, it is, blah, 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 yada, yada. But that friendship, over. And then I let Pastor Juan preach. Way to go, Josh, you know? And the Spirit of God spoke to me through my friend. And it was like he said, you don't get to wait. Time can't just pass. I know you'd rather ignore this and just move on. But, bro, you can't. And so I'm standing here about two-thirds of the way through the message. When I look at the clock, we're about three-quarters of the way. And um, in real time dealing with this in my own heart. I can't even say that when I say amen today that I will be there. But I have to get there. I do not have a choice. And everything in my flesh wants to hang on. Be like, no, 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 I was wronged. I was offended. If, if, if they just, if all those other people heard my side, if those people would, if they understood the intention of my heart, if, like, it's not even fair that I didn't even get a voice into this, like, this is crazy. I could do everything in my power to hang on to that, but the Spirit of God said, you can't. Brother, you're going to have to let this go. And you're going to have to lay down your life for your friends and just be a forgiver. And so... I'm working on that. And I tell people all the time, and people think I'm kidding. And they laugh, and I'm like, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, but I'm serious. I tell them all the time. I just preach to me, and I hope it helps you. All the time. I just preach the truth, like, to myself. And I'm like, well, I hope it benefits you. You know, and people say it does, so I just keep going. <laughs> but, but final thought as, as we close, because we are going to move into an intentional response today. Some of us, before the end of this service, are going to get with the Lord we're going we're gonna to deal with some of this pain. Some of you are going to be able to lay it down today and just go, and you're going to be able to dip out. Some of you are going to begin a process of working toward, like, I'm going to get there, but it might take some time, and that's okay. Because the Spirit of God knows what we need, He knows what steps He wants us to take, and He knows how to get us to where he wants us to be. So real fast recap, forgiveness is an act of Christ-like love, number one. It is an act of obedience, 
Sometimes, unfortunately, it's like, ugh, but, but it is. And then finally, number three, it's an act of freedom. You've probably heard this said before, right? Like, I'm not some genius. But the person you're going to free is you. It really is. And I, and I know that's a little bit cliche and all that stuff. It's like, you know, bitterness is like drinking poison and hope it hurts the other person or however that little expression goes. But it's, a good, it's good. It's a good expression. Like, it's really, it's a pretty good parallel to the, to the reality of what's going on inside of us. It's an act of freedom to walk in forgiveness, to free you. Because here's the beauty of it all. When you choose to start taking those steps of forgiveness or that final step, or again, wherever you are, because you could be anywhere on the spectrum of hurt and, and healing. You could be anywhere in this process. You could have already been dealing with it and you've been into freedom in Christ. And so you're like, man, I'm like, I'm getting there, right? Or, or you've like, I don't, man, like I didn't even hear it until you started preaching it today, Pastor Josh. Okay, cool. Wherever you are, man, you're going to work toward setting yourself free because when you decide that I'm going to walk in forgiveness, you get to just let go of having to remember, having to replay it in your mind. You get to let go of the triggers that now stem from like the after effect, because man, hurt has a wake, doesn't it? And it ripples throughout our lives. It's not only isolated, it's impacted other people, whatever it is, man. But Satan is going to find a way to make you want to hang on. And Jesus is offering you the opportunity to release. Just, okay, God, I am going to live with this act of Christ-like love, and I'm going to live out this act of obedience and I am going to walk in this act of freedom and here's what the Bible says and then we'll close the Bible says in just two verses Ephesians chapter uh, 4 or two, two different references here Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 through 32 the Bible says this get rid of all bitterness rage, anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Listen, here you go. That's the easy but complicated part. It's just, it's easier to just do away with all that stuff, but, but I'm not saying it's not complicated because you might have a gossip pool going with some people about it and they want to bring it up and you might be the one that has to start to shut that stuff down. This might be your opportunity to present the gospel to somebody. You might be able to say, hey, you know what? Hey, hang on. I know that every time we get together, we replay this. But man, I'm just trying to walk in freedom and Jesus is showing me how to take those steps and one of those steps is we just gotta stop this conversation. I'd love for you to find the freedom that I have. Boom, the gospel, man, right there. of Jesus Christ sets people free. So he says, get rid of all that stuff. Verse 32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and, and there it is, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I just want you to recognize that the Bible keeps just going back to like you're forgiven because you're forgiven. In the same way that you were forgiven, we cannot escape. You can't be a follower of Jesus and escape that. It just, it is impossible. And then finally, as we close right here, Galatians chapter five, verse one, the Bible says this. It, I, I love this verse and this is my intentional finish line right here. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm then, and watch this. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by that yoke of slavery. I love that first sentence. And I've always like, been like, how do you define that statement? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's like, what? I'd, I'm like a word nerd. And I'm, I'm not sure I quite can even articulate that statement except to say that like, just look at it in the context of freedom, of forgiveness alone right here. Just, just alone. It's like the Bible's like, it's so that you can be free is why Christ set you free. You have the freedom to be free. So stop hanging on. Stop replaying it. Stop doing that. Just, just separate. Separate. Walk in this act of Christ-like love. Walk in this act of obedience. Walk in this act of freedom. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by this yoke of slavery. And I'm telling you, man, slavery will hold you back until you can let go. Amen. Let's stand, if, if you would, all across the auditorium. Again, we're about to have a, uh, a moment of response. And listen, I'm going to ask that you do not leave. Church is not over. Hang with us, would you please? Because I do believe that there is, um, I don't want to weird you out, but I do believe there is a unique anointing attached to a message, Okay. And I know that some of you just want to get out and go get lunch, and that's cool, man. I get all that. But some of you need healing more than you need sustenance right now. So, so don't, don't break the link of the power of God's spoken word and what the Spirit of God wants to do in, inside of you. Because, uh, all right, let, let, me, let me hustle, but I just feel like this is meaningful to say. Your response to come to the front and just kneel before the Lord or to go into the prayer room that we're about to open up for you to go and pray with somebody else, or to just get before the Lord right there where you are, okay? There is a supernatural reality of what God can do in you. He can do like a, like a spiritual surgery in you in that moment, and what you thought you could never let go of might be easier, why? Because he did for you what you cannot do for yourself. We are limited, he is unlimited. So, so in this moment, in response, can we just do everything in our power to say, God, the only thing I can do is give it to you. And then, God, I'm going to trust you. Please do what only you can do in me. And that's what this moment is. Is that okay with everybody? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, we're always going to start here. Because you might be in this room or tuning in online and do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And you're about to get the opportunity to do that right now. In that relationship, freedom can be found. So if you do not know Jesus, we're going to go in a prayer together and I'm going to invite you into a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And then as a church, like you'll be like, welcome to the family. We're going to respond to the gospel together today. So if you're here today or tuning in online, never made a decision to commit your life to Jesus, or maybe it's a recommit, I want you to repeat after me in this prayer and our whole church is going to say it with you just to give you confidence. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. Come into my heart, forgive me my sin, wash me, cleanse me, make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's congratulate those just in case. We have some people that have stepped in.